On this Motivational Monday, our quote of the week is, Don't adapt to the energy in the room. Influence the energy in the room. Today's sponsor is MB Designs. You can shop her earrings at Shop MB Designs on Instagram or www.shopmbdesigns.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Crowning Moment. My name is Casey Gibson, and today we have another special guest, and she is going to introduce herself. Hello, everyone. My name is Danny Walker. I'm a former Miss Montana USA turned content creator. I primarily create videos that help pageant contestants, and I post those on YouTube, but that has grown into brand collaborations, hosting, and travel opportunities. So I'm very grateful for my experience in pageantry and how it changed my life. Let's jump right into the part that we're all here for, pageantry. What actually made you want to start competing in pageants? It wasn't me that wanted to start competing in pageants. Actually, I was a tomboy growing up, and my cousin had received an invitation for a pageant casting call, so to speak, and she didn't end up going, but my mom and my aunt convinced me to go. And it was more of their opportunity to put me in a dress at the time. So I don't know exactly why. I can't remember. I was about 13 years old. And I can't remember what that switch was in my mind that, okay, this sounds like a good idea because I had never done anything like it before. So I went completely unprepared. And of course, the castings are a pretty easy process. And so I was accepted. I competed for my first pageant ever. And it was just this little local pageant. And of course, I didn't place and I didn't win. And then after that, I got an invitation in the mail from National American Miss. And I said, well, I kind of liked the other one, but let's try a different one. And so I tried NAM and I placed in optionals there. And then I was hooked and I really loved it. And I wanted to continue that journey of self-growth. So from starting that initial pageant, what do you think has been your biggest change from that first pageant to when you compete at the Miss USA stage? Communication skills. 100%, 100%. I grew up as a dancer, so my walk was foundationally okay, I would say. It wasn't it wasn't that that bad for where I was. But my communication skills were so poor when I started. I vividly remember the moment. And fortunately, I actually have a VHS tape of it still. That's how long ago this was. I can remember the moment when I first heard my own voice in a microphone and it startled me. And I realized I might be afraid of public speaking (laughs) in that moment. And I was incredibly nervous, but I wanted to get over that. And I knew that the only way to get over it was to keep doing it and to keep pushing past that. So one of the best things that National American Miss specifically gave me was that introduction competition and just giving me that opportunity to speak in public. That is really where I felt like I transformed. And then all of those skills were starting to carry over into the interview competition. And then after a few years of getting used to that speaking on stage environment and the introduction competition, I decided to compete in Spokesmodel. And for anybody who's not familiar with Spokesmodel, it's just a longer format of a speech and you get to talk about a topic that's important to you. And I just started winning the Spokesmodel competitions. And then I really built up that confidence and, and in many ways got 
better and better and better in my communication skills. But I think that, that communication is something that people are always working on. And it's, it's a journey. It's not really a destination. So with you being a coach, you know, you know, where you kind of have fell short in the beginning of pageantry and what you had learned from it. What is one of the big things that you not pressure on your girls, but like kind of hit on when you're in those coaching sessions for pageants? Well, I like to take a really personalized approach for many contestants. I think a lot of people might be surprised to know some of the things that I practice with contestants versus I don't practice with them. So one of the ways that we start off is by first evaluating the contestant. If she's competed in a pageant before, of course, we're going to look back at past scores. We're going to see if there's any judges, comments, feedback, feedback from directors as well. And so I've had some contestants, for example, and there was absolutely nothing wrong with their interviews, although I believe that a strong interview is one of the keys to winning a pageant. So I've had a few girls, for example, that always get great feedback for interviews. So we don't touch their interview. And instead we say, okay, well, what else is hindering you from breaking into a top five or walking away with the crown? And we have to sit and strategize and figure out, well, what is it that she's possibly missing? Or what is it that the judges are looking at that they think she's missing? And so sometimes that's her walk. Sometimes it's as simple as wardrobe and styling. Sometimes a contestant just doesn't look like she fits her pageant system. So we have to do an overhaul on what she's going to wear to the pageant. So there isn't really one thing because every contestant is so different. So I, I personally believe in taking that customized approach to each contestant. That is a really interesting strategy. I've never heard someone say it like that. Cause it's always like, Oh, I go to this person for an interview and they're like, Oh, you have the best interview why do you keep prepping it? And that's a really good point. I've never really thought about like that because you're always like, oh, I have to prepare in every area. But it's like, sometimes you may be really good in that area. And you really, if you prep even more, even more, it's like reading and studying over a test too much. Like you're like, oh, I'm preparing where you just kind of forget your knowledge now. You're like, oh, I don't know what happened to it. So that's a really interesting like strategy. I've never heard anybody really say. That's awesome. I really like that. Or girls end up sounding over rehearsed. And it's something I learned on my own when I was told when I was first runner up at Miss Montana USA, they're like, you're not quite what we're looking for here in this state and you need to adjust. And they said, but strangely enough, the way that you need to adjust is to pull back. They said, you're, you're too much. You're over the top for what we look for here. And so my change in strategy, well, one of them, when I won Miss Montana USA was they said, we love your walk. They said, we love your walk. We love all of that stop practicing it. So I created a walking routine for myself. I memorized that routine months before the competition. And I checked on it periodically just to make sure that I remembered, you know, my steps, my turns, what I wanted to do. But as soon as I memorized that routine, I stopped practicing my walk for Miss Montana USA. So, you know, there's so many different ways to the crown and not every, like not every contestant needs the same thing for sure. But some contestants really, really need to pull back on things like like I did. And I've worked with a lot of other girls too. And it's kind of funny that a part of the coaching process is less of what they were already doing. Okay, let's get a little personal here. So you win Miss Montana USA. Let's talk about, you know, what was your prep work going to Miss USA? You just won. You're like, oh my goodness, let's get this ball rolling. What was it like preparing for USA and then finally hitting the stage? 
Mm. So if you really want to see it in almost live action, check out my Road to Miss USA series because I feel like that series would have so many more details about that time in my life that I'm probably forgetting now at this point. But for me, unfortunately, I just did not have adequate financial resources to prepare in the way that I wanted to at that time. I was just in such a different place in life. I'd already spent so much money preparing for Miss Montana USA. Looking back, I just wish I would have had more sponsors because a lot of the sponsors that we had in the Pacific Northwest, because we shared a director. So Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Montana, we all had the same director. And we had a lot of sponsors, but they were primarily located in Washington. So we would get things sponsored like hair appointments, nails in Washington. What am I going to do with that? It, it didn't actually help me. So all of those things that were meant to help me, they started coming out of pocket, you know, and, and, and it was really, really financially draining. And so my preparation, I just focused a lot on making the most of my year because I have an understanding that Miss USA is and Miss Universe, it's not a normal pageant. And once you, and I try to tell contestants this, and once you get there, you'll understand it. It's a television production. And so there are ways, I believe, to win state pageants, but there's so much more out of your control when it comes to Miss USA and Miss Universe because of the way they select their title holders. Yes, of course, they want you to put on a good show and have a good interview and look great walking on stage. Of course they want that. But they're looking into so many other factors when it comes to choosing a Miss USA or a Miss Universe. Things like, is she easy to work with? Is she good for sponsors? Is she marketable? How is she on camera? Is her face always on? All of those things are happening off the stage. And so I knew that a Miss USA win was not guaranteed. I knew historically Montana didn't do well. Um, and my goal wasn't necessarily to win Miss USA after the after I won Miss Montana USA. My goal instead was to make the most of my year and build a life for myself after my Miss Montana USA title. And so it was more important for me to be strategic about where I went for appearances, the type of content that I created, the information that I shared. And I feel like I made the right choice in that. One of my best friends, Sarah Rose Summers, won Miss USA. And I was thrilled for her and I was excited. And I'm so happy because looking back, I feel like she was the right choice. She had the energy. And I think that she was so bright and bubbly and good for the brand, so to speak. And I just... I'm a little bit more of a lone wolf, I guess you could say, where I want to do what I want to do. And I want to have a lot more creative control over what I'm doing in the projects that I'm doing. And you don't really have that at Miss USA or Miss Universe. And so especially by the time I got close to Miss USA and, and saw that that would be the case that I wouldn't have as much creative control, I was not really motivated to win Miss USA. I wanted to make everybody proud and have a performance that I was proud of, but after that, just kind of let it go. And so for, for my prep, I didn't really focus on my walk. If anything, I focused a lot more just on interview questions for controversial topics. And I had my interview and honestly, it was like any other interview that I've ever had. It was, it was great. I didn't feel like 
I was in over my head when it came to the political questions that they asked me. And I got to share a lot about myself in the interview. And at the end of the day, that's kind of all you can ask for in a great pageant interview. I 100% agree with that. Being able to talk about yourself is one of the hardest topics that people always, you know, go to interview coaches for. It's like, how do I talk more about myself? But I feel like through these, like a lot of stuff that I've watched of your videos and using like resources from Pageant Planet and other people that I've worked with, like it's been so much easier to bring that side of yourself out of like, oh, it's not boastful. You are asking a simple question of like, who are you? In 30 seconds, you should be able to get that answer out there. And so it's really a different interview nowadays. Like you said, talking about those political or controversial topics is another big one, especially being, you know, a U.S. title holder or some type of, you know, nation title holder. That's something you got to prepare for. And so going into those interviews, knowing that that's probably going to come up, you've got to be able to know what you stand for. And that was one of the big things Tim Tialdo and I talked about a few weeks ago. I was getting ready to go into an interview for a national title that I ended up winning. And he was like, kid, you got to go in there and know exactly who you are and stand to your morals. And he was like, they would rather fall in love with someone that knows exactly who they are than someone that's going to give that pageant patty. Oh, I've done this many community service hours. He's like, that's great. But he's like, do you know who you are? And so now like the title holders and like, that's the new like rave of like knowing someone, like you said, with that image, is she good for the brand? That is something that some people are like, I don't know, am I? And they try to fit this mold. And it's like, no, like if you are who you are and you're meant to be a part of that brand, they'll put you in the spot you need to be. You can work as hard as you absolutely can. But if you are not that, you know, with any pageant, it could be an international one. If you're not that Amazonian six foot five, like looking girl, sometimes it just may not work out. And I know being my, you know, five foot four brunette, dark eyed, light skinned self, like sometimes I don't fit the mold of some of these pageants that are wanting that six foot tall, you know, Victoria's Secret bikini model. Like I know that, but I'm going to strut everything I have. <laughs> like You best believe it. But going off of all of that, talking about your journey and where that's kind of brought you, what brought you into the side of doing YouTube videos and making all of this content? What made you want to start, you know, doing predictions for pageants? What led you to that? I never wanted to. It wasn't the plan. Actually, it was because I like to help people and when I was competing at National American Miss, I had held two state titles and I had won every optional contest at state. And then I had won a bunch of them at nationals. And I, especially back in those days, was a rarity. And I would go to nationals and I would place in everything. And when you do that, people want to know why, how. What's the difference? Because I didn't have the financial backing. I was doing it. I, I was bootstrapping everything. And I was just making it work with hardly anything. So people were wondering, like, what's the secret? I'm like, well, it's not a secret. It's strategy. And so I kept getting questions from people back then on MySpace and Facebook. It was a while back. And I ended up helping one girl and for one year. And she was the first girl I was dedicated to helping. And she won her state title. We had never met. We had never had even a video session. We did it just by communicating to each other via social media. And she won out of nowhere in California, which is very competitive. So it, it was shocking. And after that, of course, that means more people. Well, how, how are you doing this? And I just kept helping people all the time, but I started to feel really drained from it because I was sharing the same messaging over and over and teaching people, you know, these same basics, the foundation. 
And so years went by and I kept competing in pageants, kept getting people that reached out to me. And then I, I had this brilliant idea in my mind. I said, well, I know YouTube exists and I know people share things on YouTube. So what I can do is I'll just answer the questions that I always get. I'll make a video and then I'm just going to share a link and my life will be so much easier. And that was the initial thought behind it. And I didn't know anybody would view my videos. I was creating the videos as a shortcut for myself. And, and then, so the videos were up for a while and I had only created a few of them. And then I kind of just let the channel be as it was. I wasn't going to come back and keep making videos. And then one day my mom went on the channel and said, you're getting quite a bit of views and people are commenting. And I said, really? I was really shocked. So I went, I checked it out. I couldn't even remember how to log in. And then by the time I did, I said, you know, you're right. And I said, I wonder what this would be like. Like, what do people do with YouTube? I didn't even know people got paid for YouTube at the time. I had no idea. I didn't know people were YouTubers, which sounds crazy now looking back, but I didn't. And so when I found out that people get paid for it, I said, well, I enjoy this. Why not get paid for this? But I started creating more episodes and more videos, not knowing what a long journey it would be and not knowing how difficult it is actually to grow a channel, to monetize it in a way where it actually will make a difference in your life, <laughs> in your financial situation. So it kind of just led me down that path. And then I started getting a lot of requests for the recaps and the predictions. And I had never thought of myself as qualified, but then I looked at other people and I thought, well, what makes them qualified? They're just out there sharing their opinion. Why not me too? So I started doing that as well. And then I think that the recaps are really what kind of caught on with people and really helped to boost the channel and grow it. One of the funny things, my dad and I, I don't know which pageant we were preparing for, but my dad was, we were, all the families in the, in the, the, living room at the time and my dad put it up on the tv and he was like pageant people and then your face just happened to pop up and it was like one of those like <gasps> like one of like the thumbnail like oh my gosh click on this and so my dad clicked on it and we started watching and he was like wait a second like he's like you could totally do this and I'm like dad I'm not I'm not doing videos I'm not doing it and then when I started the podcast my dad was like wasn't there that one girl that we watched on YouTube like you know, like, what does she do that, like, maybe you could learn from her? I'm like, oh my gosh, I could, I could learn from her. I was like, that is so smart. And so I started watching your videos more and more and more. And that's what, when I emailed you, I was like, hey, basically this is a long shot. I've watched you for years. I just really would like to talk to you on the podcast. So now having on the podcast, it's kind of like a, like a fangirl moment, I guess that would be for me. But all the stuff that you have been doing for so long, I know you're like, oh, I didn't even plan for it to come out this way. Like my mom and I love watching international pageants. And so watching your, you know, like, you know, see my live reactions or my predictions of who it is or watching people walk who you thought was the best for like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And so it's now like, we may not be talking to you one-on-one, -on -one, but we, we are like, oh my goodness. Yeah, we see it. And then you'll say something in a different, like, oh, we would have never thought about this girl in the way she walked or the way she wore that dress or, you know, kind of like that person's almost branding. So what you've done with it and is like a whole different like mindset for just like coming into pageants, you know, you're like, hey, like I'm just here to show up, get my crown or, you know, I'm trying to perfect my walk at this pageant or trying to perfect my interview here. You took that all in one and just made it like a one-stop shop. So for me to you, like, honestly, thank you because it really does help like the other people in the pageant world that are like, okay. I want to know a little bit more about this international system or this system or, you know, what does it really look like from the behind the scenes of pageantry? And 
one of the other girls I've reached out to and talked to and did an episode with Lauren Norris. By the time this is out, her episode will be before it, but she's from Alabama. Yes, I love Lauren. She is so great. I ran into her. I was working with uh, MB Designs, Mary Morris, who does earrings for a lot of the USA girls. I was working her table at Ideal Miss. And one of my really good pageant friends, she texts me, her name's Lucy Koo, shout out to you. She texts me and goes, there's a YouTuber at this pageant, like you need to find her. And I'm like, who is this YouTuber? I don't know. And it was Lauren. And here comes Lauren out of the ballroom. There she comes. And I'm looking at her Instagram, scrolling and look up and there she is. And I was like, Lauren, just yell this girl's name. Don't know her like that. And she was like, oh my gosh, hi. Like kind of like, you know, like, who are you? (laughs) And I was like, my friend told me to find you. Like, I'd love to interview you for the podcast. And so when we connected, that was the thing I asked her was like, you know, like, what was your kind of purpose of this? And she, like you said, it was like, you know, patents financially like are not cheap. Life is not cheap for her. College was not cheap. And she's like, how can I, you know, it was kind of like for her a funny thing of, oh, I'll just post a video of Rush during sorority for me. Like that was just her little like niche at the time. And then it kind of ran with it. Now it's, you know, financially backed her for college. It's got her brand deals and all sorts of things that doors that she never would have realized opened. And now she was like, one of the big things is being in pageantry. She's like, people are nosy. People love to see everything that's going on behind the scenes. And so that's the one big thing that she was like, she's like, don't ever have a niche. She was like, just do YouTube of your entire life. People will watch it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Like, sure. But going off that, what she said was like those brand deals and things that pageants open the door for you that you never would have realized. And so I kind of want to flip that question to you is what has been the best thing that pageants have opened doors for you that you never would have realized? Oh, well, I actually want to comment on that with the brand deals and in that regard. One other thing that I took away from my time as Miss Montana USA was an accountability to working with sponsors. And I felt like it just trained me. It was almost like going back to school and there was an expectation that you post about this sponsor on this day and this day and this day and this day. And I know that a lot of title holders don't stick with those schedules and things get busy and then they're not posting as frequently, but I stayed really, really consistent. And that experience during my year was one of those things that I took away that I never expected was that I felt like I got so much better with being more professional with brands and how I would represent them. So I felt like my year was like this training for what I would do in the future working with other brands. So that was something very unexpected that was a bonus for me. And now that the channel's growing and as I work with more and more brands, it's good that you know how to communicate with them and that you can deliver your best to them. Because at the end of the day, they're supporting you. And whether that's with product, which still is money, or whether that's through a paid collaboration, I always like to think that at some point that was their business. That's their baby. It's something that they care about. And if they're willing to even work with me, then I want to care just as much about doing a good job for them. So that was one one unexpected thing. I would say overall, and I've told a few people this, that pageantry taught me how to dream. And that's because I didn't grow up in an affluent neighborhood. And my family always struggled financially, still does. And so when I first started competing in pageants, yes, it was really difficult even to get to that stage. Yes, it was, it was hard to get sponsors. 
I was borrowing things. I was get. I was trying to get gowns sponsored from people. I didn't have the best of anything. I didn't have a lot of these resources that other contestants had, but I was able to put in the work and I was able to practice. So by the time that I reached that pageant stage of that state pageant, I would get on that stage and nothing else mattered. I was finally an equal beside the girls that I was standing with on stage. It really didn't matter at the end of the day that their gown cost 10 times as much as my gown if I could outwalk them. It didn't matter if I bought my interview suit for $25 at a little fashion boutique on sale and theirs was a custom interview suit if I had superior communication skills or speaking abilities because those are the things that I started realizing actually mattered. And so I, of course, I wanted to look beautiful on stage and feel beautiful and wear the best wardrobe that I possibly could or have the best hair and makeup that I possibly could at the time. But I was always just doing my best. That was it, just doing my best and then just focusing on the skills that were being scored. And so when I look back at my journey, there were so many times that I was able to win titles and I was able to do that while I was competing with other contestants who had many more resources in front of them. And that became so encouraging to me. And then as I won the titles and as I got to go on different unique appearances or have travel opportunities that I always tried to take advantage of, that was another one of those things that really kept me dreaming because it took me out of my neighborhood. It put me somewhere else. And it made me realize that bigger things are possible for my life. But if it weren't for pageantry, I feel like I still would have been in that bubble. And I would have had so many limiting beliefs about what is possible for my life. And now I feel like anything's possible. I feel like if I want to do it, I'll do it. That is absolutely amazing. (laughs) Wow. But like you said, it's like it didn't matter because you actually put in the work. And that was one of the biggest things in this past year that has been like just very like eye-opening is you can put in all the work, all the work, or you can put in nothing. It's your choice. What are you going to do with that opportunity? Are you going to put in the work? Are you going to reach out to those sponsors? You're going to think all of them. And that's what being a national title holder right now, it's those sponsors made most of this happen. So the the least you can do is say thank you. Write them a handwritten note. Do these things. And with you saying, you know, like I was very consistent, talking about you, or very consistent with posting your sponsors and making sure that you could have been the best Montana USA you could have ever been. That to me is so encouraging. I'm like, you know what? You're right. Like these sponsors should be one of the most important posts of my week. And that's the one thing is like, okay, setting up that, you know, title holder, social media posting, what do I need to get done in my entire week? What is going to make the algorithm show my page more, whether it's stories or reels or actually just posting. Those are the most important things is just getting it out there and being consistent with it and going forward One of the big things that definitely you've been consistent with lately is doing a bunch of brandings and traveling and stuff. And one of the big ones that stuck out to me, because it's also one of our sponsors, is VIP pageantry. So I want to talk about them a little bit and see what what do you do for them? What's your kind of insight on them as an entire organization? So what do you do for VIP pageantry and how did you get into the door with them? 
Well, the way I got into the door with them is sort of funny. They had emailed me in the past and the email was a little bit vague and I had responded, but then I didn't get a response back and I didn't really know what they were all about. And then I judged Royal International Miss and one of the judges on my panel is Layla Rose. And so she's a part of VIP pageantry and she's said, well, we would love to have you host for an event for us one day. We do red carpet hosting at pageants. We also host host the shows. We produce these different shows and events. We'd love to have you. And in my head, I said, well, that would be great, thinking that not much may ever come of it. And then the next week, she called me up and she said, oh, my goodness, our host got sick. Are you available this weekend? Would you be able to fly in? And I said, yes, sure. So two days later, I showed up in Orlando, Florida. I had never worked with them before. And I did their red carpet hosting for a pageant. And and then after that, they invited me to host for New York Fashion Week. So I've been hosting their charity galas for the past few seasons. And that's wonderful. And we, we support different organizations. And the one that we supported this season was for National Suicide Prevention Week. And I thought it was really important, especially considering what's been going on in the pageant industry with the passing of Chesley Christ and Kalea Posey. And so all of these things are going on. And we've seen that contestants need more resources. So we were fundraising for an organization called Still She Rose, and it's a great organization that's providing mental health resources specifically for young women in the pageant industry. And also we were raising awareness for the new 988 number, which is an emergency number. It's similar to 911, but it's specifically for mental health crises or suicide prevention, essentially. So that's really my involvement with them. I love them. They're amazing. And what I like so much is that they want to bring opportunities from the entertainment industry to young women in pageantry. So I think that's a really important transition that a lot of contestants are trying to make. Another woman I didn't get the chance to ask her about VIP pantry, but Wendy Russo, who's uh, just crowned, I think it was Universe, Globe, something, some huge title. And it, I was like, you go girl, because that crown is gorgeous. But I had spoke to her a few episodes back and she is another amazing woman. She was so, so genuine, so nice. And I really appreciated talking with her. And she also is involved with VIP pantry. So I hate I didn't get to ask her about it at that time because she was getting ready to go to an event. And it would have been perfect as like an after wrap up. But from that, what has been your like favorite appearance or something that you've done throughout the entire time of pageantry that you, we can have talk about before we wrap up today's episode? I'll quickly say that I actually roomed with Wendy this past fashion week. Normally I have my own room, but I confirmed the last minute. So we ended up rooming together and it's the first time I met her in person. She was really nice and her outfits were all super cute. So shout out to Wendy. So, oh my gosh, a great appearance from all of my time in pageantry. Oh, there were so, I, because I've held a bunch of different titles for different systems, of course. Okay. Goodness. That's, that's actually a challenging question for me because of course that there were the parade types of appearances where you're in front of crowds. And I love that. I always think it's fun. You have that, that energy from people. There are the types of appearances where you're actually volunteering and getting your hands dirty, so to speak, those type of dress down appearances. But there was this one moment and it wasn't actually an official appearance. I was hosting a pageant for National American Miss and I was Miss Montana USA at the time. 
And I brought my crown and sash with me to the pageant. So when I was off work, I could, you know, I'm in a pageant. So why not wear that and say hello to little girls? And there was one point where after a show, I was technically off work and I got off stage and this little girl came up to me and she asked for my autograph. And I, I thought it was the sweetest thing. And then she just said, said that one that she wanted to be me that one day I want to be you. And she was talking, she watched my YouTube channel. And so she wasn't just talking about Miss Montana USA, but that she wanted my life, my story. And that really stuck with me. And it blew my mind because there were so many women I watched growing up that I wanted to be like. And so to finally be in their position where somebody wanted to be like me was so humbling. It's something that I'll never forget. And it really is one of the things that just keeps me grounded and reminds me that even if I don't see these little girls on the other side of my screen, when I'm recording and just talking to a camera, that they're there and that they're real and that the type of content that I create can inspire them to go after whatever it is that they want in life. And so for me, of course, I love YouTube and I used to compete in pageants, but I really want all of those little girls to go after whatever dream that they have. And if I can encourage them with my life and my journey, then I feel like I have a very purposeful life and that I can leave a legacy in the future. So I love that. And that wasn't really a specific but but it was an unforgettable moment I feel like those are absolutely one of the best moments you have there's always those little girls like oh my gosh she's a princess but like the ones where they come up to you and they're like I want to be you let me have your autograph those ones mean more because you're like what I'm doing it's not that it's being seen it's being felt and they feel what I'm doing is a good thing and they see also that you know what I'm doing is actually helping someone's life or you know that's just one of those moments that you never expect somebody to say, oh, I want to be you one day. And you're like, wow, you're taken back by it. It's just one of those things. And like, I absolutely, I had one of those moments. I was walking into gowns and crowns, Cyrus Frakes is, um, his whole pageant store who I, that was my coach back in the day. I love me some side, but I work with, um, Corey King doing hair and makeup. And so I was in the studio just doing hair and makeup for another pageant. And there was a girl in there coaching with Cy and we had just walked through the room and she goes, mom, it's the crowning moment girl. And I, I was like, I've never had someone call me the crowning moment girl. It was one of those moments. And I'm like, she was probably like 11 or 12. Like, so she was old enough to like, you know, be listening and active, like, no. And so I just looked at, I was like, oh my gosh, hi. Like my name's Casey. Nice to meet you. And she was like, she was like, oh my gosh. Like I love the podcast and da, da, da. you know, it's just those little moments where you're like, somebody actually cares. They love me. <laughs> like, it's like, I love myself, but like, wow. Like it really does affect people in a positive way. And that's just, it's a good feeling. It really is. So I absolutely can, you know, relate on that is it's just, it's nice to feel heard and feel felt. It's a really different feeling that not a lot of people sometimes will get that moment. And so when you do, you cherish it. You're like, wow, like that felt good. So even that it was an appearance or an event, but that is still another moment that meant something to you throughout all of your pageantry. Like that moment still stuck with you. That is very memorable. And so that counts. That definitely counts. (laughs) Yes. And that's, I'll just say quickly that that's the other reason really that I started the channel. And initially it was called pageant access, but I changed it to Danny Walker because I wanted to do more things beyond pageantry. And I didn't want to limit myself with that name when it, 
comes to working with brands. So I still call my coaching business pageant access, but the reason behind that name was making pageantry accessible to more young women. And so the things that people were constantly gatekeeping in my own journey, that is what I wanted to share on the channel. And I said, I know that there's a lot of little girls out there or young women that are like me that have this great desire in their heart that want to win, that are trying everything that they can, but they don't have the financial resources that other contestants have. So I wanted those things to be available for free for any contestant that has it in her heart to become that title holder, to pursue that dream. And I wanted to make that possible for young women. That is amazing. I'm so glad somebody actually says it because there is a lot of people that will gatekeep. You are 100% correct because they're like, oh, this is my secret. You have to be one of my girls to know. And you're like, but sometimes like you, like I couldn't afford all of that coaching. I couldn't afford the $10,000 dresses. Like my mom and I would sit there and save. Like every time we went to the grocery store, she'd get an extra 20 out. Cause she's like, I know pageant season's coming up. We're going to need to pay this. Or when we did MAO, you got to do, cause I was in South Carolina, you got to do the silver book of tickets and everything. It's not cheap. And so that was the thing Like we did what we could with the resources we had in our area to make it work. Cause I mean, my parents were, you know, they, they did well, but it's, they didn't do well enough to carry all three of my siblings and I having sports and competitive things. And so it was really, really tough. So I really appreciate someone that will actually be like, no, here's what you really need to know. Because back then, I wish I would have had that because, you know, I went through many coaches and some didn't help us. So we wasted money. So in our minds, we're like, oh my gosh, we could have used that, you know, $65 for a new pair of heels or for hair and makeup for something. And that's where I had to learn how to do my own hair and makeup because we couldn't afford to spend $1,500 at Miss South Carolina. We just couldn't for the week. My mom's like, no, you're going to sit on YouTube and you're going to learn. So I did. That's how I learned my hair and makeup. And with dresses and stuff, we just, we put on a dress. And if I looked good in the dress, the dress didn't wear me. I wore it. Boom. We bought it. It didn't matter how much, but usually it was less than a thousand. Let me tell you that. And, and most of the time I wore it for prom and then I turned around and wore it for pageant season right after or vice versa because mom's like, who cares if you wear it twice? Why does it matter if you wear a dress more than once? And some girls are like, no, burn it. And you're just like, why? Like it was, it was a beautiful gown and it could be, you know, worth $10,000, but at the same time, it's how do you fill in the dress? If it's a $40 gown, like you said, or a $25 interview suit, what does it matter? If I feel good and I look good in it, that's a win for me. So I really appreciate you, you know, going out there and giving people the resources that they absolutely need. And some girls like me back then, like I couldn't afford it. And so I appreciate that stuff. And I also love your day in life videos of doing like the, oh, here's like what I did on the background. See, those are still my favorite. Still my favorite. <laughs> There's lots more coming. It's just, it's been, it gets really hectic for fashion week. So uh, it's like fashion week's hectic the week before and then the week after catching up with everything. So I'm barely catching up. I ha I just released a new episode today about New York fashion week, the Queens that I saw attend. And then I am currently editing my Miss USA pre-arrival favorites. That'll be coming out. And then the Miss USA send-offs episodes. So lot, lots of content coming. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, I cannot wait. Before we get to the last question of the podcast, I would love for you to drop your Instagram name, your YouTube, whatever way someone can contact you or watch some of your videos and social media in the future. It's very easy. It's just my name, Danny Walker, D-A-N-I. So if you search Danny Walker on YouTube, on Google, on Instagram, anywhere, TikTok, it'll all pop up. Danny Walker. 
Perfect. All right. So we've come to that point in the podcast where I like to ask everyone the same final question. In what way has pageants positively impacted you? Pageants transformed my life. If it were not, if it were not for the opportunities that I've had because of pageants, I would not be who I am today. I would not be as confident. I would not be a self-employed entrepreneur. I would not have traveled the world. And I don't say any of that lightly. Of course, I would have pursued a traditional career. I'm sure that that would have happened if I hadn't competed in pageantry. But pageants allowed me to build a life that I loved. And I think that we're in this day and age now where more people want to do that for themselves and they see that others are doing it. And now that I am doing this and I have been doing it, I want to continue to take people behind the scenes and show them how it's possible for their life. Whereas in the past, I showed people how to win pageants if that was their goal. And I still will plan on doing that in the future, of course. But now I want to show people how they can also become self-employed entrepreneurs doing whatever it is that they're passionate about. For me, that just happened to be pageants, but you can still use social media in your own way and you can use online digital resources in your own way to create whatever kind of career path that you want for yourself and whatever kind of life that you imagine for yourself. And I really, really hope that in the future, more people will do that and to stop living in fear because really nothing is guaranteed in life, even quote unquote safe careers or safe fields. We've seen that in the past several years that nothing is really safe. So if it's not safe, go after what you want in life. I love it. Thank you so much, Danny, for being on the podcast today. I know people are going to get a lot of good gold nuggets from this episode. You had a lot of great points you hit on. And you know, guys, you never know what happens in the future. So I guess you'll have to check out next week on another episode of The Crowning Moment. Bye, guys. Bye.